Well, good morning to you. I'll turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, and I'm glad you're here. Next time, we'll do it with a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> no, it is good to have you here in the house of the Lord, and I hope that the time here will be a blessing to you and be a real encouragement to you. You know, over the past two and a half years, uh, God has been leading GBC to embark on a journey of faith. Uh, a journey of faith to spiritually revive our daily walk with God. Uh, were we a situation where we would have to trust, depend, and seek and obey Him more and more? And as you know, every journey, every journey involves not just one step, but many steps. One step taken at a time. A major step was taken last week when we voted to include in this journey. Uh, a, the physical rebuilding of our present facilities. And so that is a big, big, big step. Now, naturally, what happens is that because of the decision, that a lot of attention is drawn to the building. Like, what does it look like? And how much will it cost? And when will it be done? And all of these kinds of things. But really, we should keep in mind that the building really is not the destination. It, only, it is only part of the journey. It is only part of the journey, the journey to revive our spiritual walk with the Lord. And so with that in mind, we must keep in mind, ask ourselves, what kind of faith is it that God wants to build into his people? You know, we call it a journey of faith. You know, what kind of faith are we talking about here? We need to look at this more closely because uh, when we do, then it spurs us to ask all kinds of other important questions, such as, do we want God working in our lives or are we content with the status quo? That's an important question and we have to face it. Do we understand what it means to walk by faith and not by sight? Do we really want to see God in control, doing what he wants, the way he wants, when he does it? Do we want God building our faith in him? Will we let him? Are we up for it? See, these are all important questions because otherwise, why go on the journey at all? You know, why, why all the time? Why all the effort? Why all the concern and consternation? You know, we could do other things. But you see, if we give honest answers to these questions, it begins to put things into perspective. A journey of faith is not for the faint-hearted, but for those who want to grow in love and faithfulness for the Lord. For those who are serious and want to become and be devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, if a person just says, well, I'm along for the ride. I'm looking forward to the new building. I'm looking forward to my new seat where I'll sit in every week, you know, and I'll be happy with that. That's not what we want to be. That's not what we want to be. We want to be on this journey of faith where we learn uh, how to love and become more faithful to the Lord. God is rebuilding our spiritual lives. And to do this, we need to we need to see ourselves in the mirror in the mirror of God's word and let God lead us to grow in our trust, dependence and obedience to him. And I can think of no better place to go for this than to go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. This wonderful, wonderful book, uh, this wonderful chapter lays out for us the kind of faith that God wants to build in each of us, the kind of faith he wants to build in each of us. And in verses one to three, 
God gives us a description of faith, a description of faith. And so when we read this, we are just moved by the fact that this faith that God wants to build in us is very, very special. Okay, it's very special. And so I like the way it says it in the the new international version. And it reads this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews starts off this discussion on faith by, first of all, giving us a prologue or an introduction. And he gives us some unique insights into this faith God wants us to have. What are they? First of all, it is a faith that is confident and convinced of spiritual realities revealed to us by God. If you look at verse 1 there, it's included the terms being sure. And this being sure actually means a show of confidence. I am confident in this. And then he uses the word certain of conviction. This can be translated conviction of things not seen in verse 1. Now, this means that all the things that God has revealed to us, God and Satan, angels and demons, spirit and flesh, love and lust, righteousness and sin, life and death, heaven and hell, all of these things were revealed to us by God. And he says, we are confident that all of this is given to us. We are all these truths and more we are confident in. This is the faith that he wants us to have, a faith that is confident and convinced of spiritual realities. It's also a faith that the Old Testament saints were commended for. Verse 2, it says there. It's a faith that was actually lived out, that people based their lives upon. And it won the favor of God. Do you ever wonder what wins the favor of God? Does it really matter to you? Well, faith matters to God. And the kind of faith that he's talking about is one that was commended, uh, that, that was lived by the Old Testament saints. Number three, a faith that helps us to see that our physical material universe including its operation and administration, were formed for and by God in verse 3. The word form there has much more meaning than just what first appears. The word form means it was made at God's command to fulfill his divine purposes. You see, sometimes we think, well, God was just sitting up there in heaven one day and he decided, well, it'd be nice to have an earth. It would be nice to have a solar system. It would be nice to have a galaxy. It would be nice to have a universe. So make it so, you know, just like Captain Kirk. Make it so, you know, this kind of thing. But it isn't. It wasn't just a whim of God. It was just not a fanciful passing moment. But rather, God had a purpose for forming all of this. And so it was formed by God at his command. And also it helps us because it says what is seen was not made out of what was visible. If this is the kind of faith, the faith that helps us to interpret and to uh, our physical and material universe. Faith is important. J. Oswald Sanders said this. 
Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. You see, you can't understand this. You can't, you know, embrace it. You can't interpret it unless you have faith, you see. And so this is what uh, he was talking about. Faith in God is not easy to embrace in a secular world like ours. I think all of you would agree that we live in a world that says it can only trust what stands up to the sense and sensibilities of man. Man has somehow, somehow found a way to limit God. He found a way to, 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 to interpret God that he has to live according to their particular uh, reasonings and their the, uh, preferences uh, and preferences. God has to work within the parameters of what is reasonable to man. Otherwise, he doesn't exist. Now, you've met people like that. I've met people like that. And they say, how can we have a God that does this and does that? That doesn't make sense. It's not possible. It doesn't go with science. Da, 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 all so on and so forth. It's a sense, of, sense and sensibilities of man. So if God doesn't react according to those, he doesn't exist. Very simple. We live in a secular world where it says God is a myth. To believe in God is an abandonment of reason or even worse, to live by superstition. I'm sure you've met people like that as well. That's the kind of world that we live in today. It's also a kind of world that's, uh, that says God is limited. God is limited. So there are some people who would say, okay, 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 just not to get you so angry Let's say, for argument's sake, there is a God, okay? And watching all the things that are going on around us, this God, he, you know, he's, he's not all that unlimited. In fact, I dare to say, I might even know better what to do than him, you see? This is the kind of world that we live in. It's a world that says there is no room in this universe for God, big G, when man is God, little g, you see? And so it says there's no room for two gods. And so we just eliminate the God, the big G, out of the picture. That's the kind of world that we live in. But faith in God is an acknowledgement of the spiritual realities revealed to us by God and his word and commitment to follow him no matter what. I think this is very important at this time that you and I, GBC, is on a journey of faith. Why? This, the this, the uh, Singapore is in for it. Singapore is stands at the cusp of a great tsunami of moral and spiritual change. It's just off the shores, folks. Some of it has already come ashore. And so what's happening is in the next few decades, you're going to see massive changes in the way that the Singaporeans think about morality and think about the uh, uh, spiritual matters. And it's all going to come. And it's this time that God is going to call up a people, hopefully out of GBC, who will be able to stand and stand for God. And so this is becoming an important time. It's a relevant time. It's a time that we can no longer put off. Speaking of faith, Warren Wiersbe said this. He says, faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. The circumstances may be impossible. The consequences may be horrific. They might be frightening and unknown to us. And yet, 
That is what God is calling us to be is to, and to have, is to have this kind of faith. Faith in God is having the confidence and conviction in God's word, in his person, and in his promises. Okay? And so, faith doesn't mean we've thrown our, we've blown, we put a gun to our head and blew our brains out. It doesn't mean that we've put aside all uh, reasoning and all this kind of stuff. Don't let the world fool you. Don't let the world fool you. But faith is having a confidence and conviction of God as found in his word. But I suppose the good question to ask is, has anybody ever lived like this? Has anybody ever had a faith at this level? You know, because it sounds so high and mighty. It sounds so impossible. It sounds like just a theory. It sounds like something that's so far out there that nobody could ever live like that. Well, that's why verses 14 through 19 are so important, because in verses 14 through 19 of Hebrews chapter 11, God gives us demonstrations of this kind of faith. He gives us demonstrations of it. And he does this through the lives of Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham. Okay? So, under what kind of circumstances, what kind of life situations has this kind of faith been worked out and been manifested? All right? Let's look at the life of Abel in verse 4. In Abel, we see a faith that results in obedience to God. Verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. And all of this points to the story of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. And so what happened was God gave to everybody. He let everybody know that there was going to be a sacrificial system. And he very carefully Let everybody know what was going to be acceptable sacrifice, what would not be an acceptable sacrifice. Abel did it God's way. He did the sacrifices and he did it the appropriate way. He did it the way God wanted him to do. And then he was accept his sacrifice was accepted by God. Wow. God was pleased with Abel's sacrifice. Now Cain, on the other hand, decided I'll do it my way. (laughs) And so he went off and he offered an unacceptable sacrifice. And then he became very, very, very angry when Abel's sacrifice was accepted and his was rejected. And so he came in so angry that he killed Abel. He killed Abel. And so what God wants to show in the faith that Abel had, Abel had a faith that resulted in obedience to God. Abel didn't sit there and say, oh, well, God, can we use this instead of that? Abel didn't say, well, can I do this instead of that? And all this kind of thing. Abel just said, Lord, I got it. I'll get it ready. And then he offered it to him. And God was pleased with his um, obedience. That was the kind of faith that Abel had. Well, what are the kind of faith is there? Well, Enoch demonstrates another one, another uh, element of it. In verses 5 through 6. In verses 5 through 6 it says. By faith Enoch was taken up. So that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness. That before his being taken up. He was pleasing to God. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Enoch had a faith that trusts God will reward a righteous life. You know, Enoch had a pretty remarkable life. He was one of the very few who was taken up directly to heaven. He didn't have to die. Okay, and so that was what's given to us in verse five. But his life was remarkable because he lived in a time and an age and a world that was really wicked. And so for a man to stand up there and, and live a righteous life oh, and stay pure, boy, that was really something. It wasn't easy. It was uphill all the way. It was like swimming upstream every day for him. Yet he did it. He did it faithfully. And God rewarded him. In fact, that's what the principle was left in verse 6. And that's why it said in verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I'm afraid today that many of us who claim to be children of faith, many of us who claim to, to walk by faith and live by faith, we've fallen into a trap. And the trap is this, that we are forfeiting long-term rewards for short-term pleasures. And so our time on earth is really pretty short when you consider it, you know, compare it to eternity, wouldn't you think? And so when, when, we, when we sacrifice all that, we let it go for just a momentary, you know, time of pleasure, we lose the reward of God, you see, that will last forever. And so that's the, what's happening to us. Forget We forgot that God will come back at any time. He will reward the faithful and unfaithful servants accordingly. Enoch was living proof of a faith that believes that God will reward a righteous life. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? So much so, so deep in God that you're willing to obey whatever he says. Do you have that kind of faith that truly believes that God will reward me if I live this kind of righteous life? Well, maybe perhaps you have the kind of faith that Noah had. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah is, had a faith that reverences God and acts upon what God says. If you look at that verse carefully, verse 7, you notice that it said, warned by God. And he had such reverence about this. Uh, 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 he was warned about things not seen, catastrophic flooding. One of the scholars noticed that at the time of Noah, it is very reasonable that the people had never even seen rain before. And for Noah to turn around and say that there's a catastrophic flood coming, people say, you got to be kidding. No way. No way there could be a flood of that magnitude. In fact, what is this thing you call rain anyhow? You know? And so as Noah was building his ark and getting prepared for the great flood, you can imagine what the people were talking to him about, how people were ridiculing him and making fun of him and thinking that he had somehow lost his sensibilities. But Noah had faith. 
He had faith. In reverence, the Bible says, he prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. And this was counted unto Noah as righteousness. Noah had a faith that believed God and acted upon uh, what God said in, in despite the fact that uh, the flood was something that seemed so impossible. Perhaps you have that kind of faith. One that reverence whatever God says so much, so much, that even if what God asked you to do, you would do it. Even though it totally didn't square with anything you were familiar with before. But the one that really stands out is to Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. And this is found in verses 8 through 19. Abraham demonstrates a faith that lives with the unknown. That lives with the unknown. Now you say, wow. Man, that, that's a five-star faith. <laughs> that's a five-star faith. Okay? Let's see how this reveals itself. Okay? Starting with verse 8, for example. There are times that Abraham obeyed, but he did not know where he was going. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. See, early on, God called out Abraham, but he gave him very little details. He didn't give him the Google map coordinates. All right. He didn't give him the settings, that, a name and a place so that he can put it on his GPS system. He didn't give him any of that stuff. He just says, I'm calling you out to a land where it will be yours. That's a very special place. Very few facts and very few specifics. And, but yet, Abraham went. In verse 9, it says that he, um, in verse 9, listen to what it said there. It's, By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise as a foreign, in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God, it says. And so he kept on keeping on. But did he know where he was going? No, no, no specifics. But he had that kind of faith. He was willing to live with the unknown. Verse 11 to 12, there were times Abraham obeyed, but he did not know how God was going to to carry these things out. Look at verse 11 and 12. By faith, even Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful, meaning God, who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, meaning Abraham, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven and in, uh, in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. You see, Abraham looks at Sarah. Sarah looks at Abraham. Did you hear what God said? We're going to have a baby. He says, look at you. Look at me. We can't do this. We've already passed that age. Abraham didn't know how God was going to do this. They were advanced in years. But the Bible says in the verses we just read that Sarah received ability to conceive beyond the proper time in verse 11. In verse 12, it says, since she considered him God faithful who had promised. 
that so that there would be many descendants. And so, you see, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He had situations where he didn't know how it was going to happen, but it did. And so that's the kind of faith that he had. Now, look at, again, on verse 13 to 16, and you'll see a third characteristic of Abraham's faith. There were times Abraham obeyed, but did not know when God was going to fulfill his promises. Verse 13 to 16 says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strange strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such, they make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he, was pre- he has prepared a city for them. Notice here, God didn't really give him a timetable of when all of this was going to happen. He just made these promises. So he did not know when this was all going to happen. In fact, it's a good thing that he wasn't thinking it was tomorrow or the day after. Because it said he died before these promises were all fulfilled. So he was going to have to wait a really long time. And if he had waited... And what he would have uh, probably thought about was returning, giving up and turning back in verses 14 through 16. But he didn't because Abraham obeyed and he had faith. And even though he did not know when. Now, is this a five star faith or what? You see, I think it is. It's pretty good. You're able to live in a world of unknowns. You don't know where, you don't know how, you don't know when something is going to happen. And then Abraham had enough faith that it would even, there were times when he obeyed but did not know why God wanted him to do certain things. God didn't consult Abraham. He didn't say, Abraham, I'm going to do this. What do you think? You know, didn't do that. What God did is he just went off and did it. And Abraham was left wondering, why? Why? Look at verse 17 through 19. And it says in verse 17 through 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering his only begotten son. And it was he, meaning the son, to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. Verse 19, He considered that God is able to raise people, even from the dead, from which he also received him back, as a type. And so, you see, Abraham was tested sorely because God said, You are going to offer up your only son. It didn't make sense to poor Abraham because he says, This is the one that the promises contain. It's from Isaac that all of the my descendants will come and we will possess this great land and so on and so forth. And he says, And you want me to offer him up? You want me to sacrifice him? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get this. And so that's exactly what happened. It says in verse 19, But Abraham had enough faith. He considered that God was able to raise up people even from the dead. If God wanted to do it, God could even raise Isaac from the dead. So Abraham had faith that God had a good reason 
and could work it all out. The kind of faith God wants to build into each believer is the kind that trusts and depends on God, even when the believer doesn't have all the answers he wants. Okay? As a human being, as a fellow human being, you're a human being, you're a human being, you're a human being, I'm a human being. We are naturally more comfortable when we have all the answers up front. We want the plan and we want every detail to to be in front of us. We are more comfortable with that. We seem more secure in that. But you see, Abraham had a faith that operated and lived with the unknown. Not everything was revealed to him. Not everything was planned out. And so this becomes important to all of us. We have to, we, yes, we should have plans. We should have goals. We should have strategies. But we have to submit all of them into God's hands and submit them to his will and ways and timing. You see, at the end of the day, like you like to say here in Singapore, okay, what really counts is what God wants and what God will do. But we can still plan within it and move cautiously forward, okay? Now, please, don't fill my email box with all kinds of emails saying, Pastor's not for planning, he's not for strategies, he's not for goals. No, I'm all for that, and so are the other leaders. And they make sure that those things are happening. However, however, we need to be conscious of the fact that we are still subject to what God wants, the way he wants it, when he wants it, all right? And that's all we're saying, Okay. And so we reminded of Proverbs 9, chapter 16, verse 9. The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19, verse 21. Many plans are in, the, in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. You see, God is not against planning. Okay. He just understands that ultimately what he wants is going to happen. That's all. And that's how we should be. We should have that kind of faith to live in the unknown. Abraham had a faith that lived with a lot of unknowns. Through the lives, then, of the heroes of faith, God demonstrates the kind of faith he wants us to have. So that brings us all to the big question. Okay, the big question is, are you ready? Why is it so hard for us to live by faith? Why, is, why do our hearts and minds resist the idea of living by faith in God, not always, uh, a, a, not always knowing all the answers ahead of time? Why do we insist on walking by sight, trusting in our own plans and devices? There are no easy answers to this question, but perhaps this will help. Faith in God is more relational and less cerebral. It's more relational than cerebral. It is more person-orientated and less process-orientated. It is more dynamic and less static. It is more flexible and less predictable. You see, this is what happens here to us who live here in Singapore. We are people who really... uh, struggle with this area of relationships, okay? Relationships are complex. In fact, probably many of us would prefer not to have many relationships if possible. Our lives are much, are much less complicated, aren't they? 
But you see, relationships are complex because humans are complex. And so uh, there are too many factors and too many events that out, are out of our control. Look at John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And that word know there means to know intimately, to have a personal relationship with, you see. That's what God craves, is he craves, he hungers for you and me to have this personal relationship with him, person to person, man to man, woman to, you know, to man, and, and all this. He wants us to have this relationship with him, okay? And so this is the, the nature of our faith in him that it is relational building a building personal relationships with God and with others is easy for some and it's hard for others okay for those who find it easier to build a personal relationship with God and others it becomes a matter of living by faith in the Lord that he will restore us when we confess and repent of our sins and walk humbly with him you see and so what happens is that when you or I if we are God's children and we, we have this knack, we have this ability to, to, to have a relationship, to forge a relationship with God, then we, we have to be focused on is such places as 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To keep that relationship going, to keep it hot and keep it vibrant. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You see? And so that's what God's asking us to do, all right? In maintaining this personal relationship with him. But for others, it is hard. It's hard to build a personal relationship with God and with others and therefore, we need, it's a matter of us living by a faith in the Lord that will constantly spur us to acknowledge and confess and repent of our sins and weaknesses. That's an integral part of this thing. Okay? And then, it is to live by faith in the Lord that brings us, brings us out from behind walls of hypocrisy, arrogance, and pride. This is something that has to happen. Okay? Just like in a human relationship, in a human relationship, we need to sometimes confess our weaknesses and our sins. But, you know, for some of us, that's really hard. You know, we would rather have all our teeth extracted with no anesthesia than to go up to somebody and say, I'm so sorry. I ask your forgiveness. Right? We would much rather, you know, have all our hair plucked out, you know, than, than go and have that done. And then some of us would rather hide behind an air of righteousness. Yes, very holy. Yes, yes. I'm, in fact, today I'm more holy than I was yesterday. You know, I'm sorry for you, but I'm holy today. You see, we like, we like to, to have that, that air of righteousness. We, have, we love to have this air that we, 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 we know everything. And so we can be judgmental and we can be harsh and we can be critical and those kinds of things. You see? And all that does is make it difficult for us to build relationships. 
So whether we're building one with our spouses, whether we're building ones with our kids, whether we're building with our coworkers, with our classmates, with our neighbor on the, in, our, in our estate, or wherever, you see, it's hard. But we have to have a faith in the Lord that wants us to, that spurs us on to do these things and brings us out from behind our walls of hypocrisy, arrogance, and pride. We need to have a faith that's, that motivates us to start seeking to build up rather than to tear down. We need to have a faith that uh, spurs us to seek, to unite rather than to divide. We need to have a faith that spurs us on to help and to heal rather than to hurt one another. You see? And all of this becomes so, so, so important. You see? And this helps us build relationships with God and helps us to build relationships with one another. Well, someone can easily say, where do we start? Well, we can start with our words. We can start with our words. One of the first things I learned very quickly when I first came to Syncor, I had to be very careful what I said. You know, I, I'm a kind of a jokester of types. You know, I, I like to say things and I think they're funny, but I'm in a different country. You know, and the things that were funny in America are not funny here in Singapore, okay? I had to adjust, okay? I had to be really careful how I spoke to people, you know? And I couldn't, you know, I had to really adjust myself to this whole thing. But I'm glad that there's some, been some progress, and you have been gracious, and so we've come a little further. But this is the one place that you can start, you know? We don't have to be so harsh and critical with one another, you know? We don't have to always be throwing arrows at each other and this kind of thing, you know? We can just start there. Just start there. And we can start building relationships with God and with others. Our faith in God that takes us, uh, that will take us on this journey of faith is intensely relational. It is intensely relational. It's between us and God. It is more than just believing there is a God. Even the demons believe that. It is more than just knowing about God. It is more than just being devoutly religious and following all kinds of rules and rituals and regulations. But it is worshiping, obeying, loving, walking, talking, sharing, and blessing God. You know, when you wake up in the morning, and you know, I, you know sometimes I feel like I just have to do that. And I have to make an effort to the, wake up in the morning. Good morning, God. He already knows it's morning. Good morning, God. Did you have a good night, God? I'm, I had one. What do you want me to do today? You see? And it's that kind of attitude. It is that kind of attitude. To have this intimate, personal relationship with God, you have to have a faith that trusts, seeks, depends, and obeys God, no matter what the circumstances or consequences are. God is calling us on a journey of faith. And this faith is really a five-star faith. It is one that calls us to live with the unknown, okay? And we better get used to that. We're not going to have all the answers in front of us. We're not. We're going to have to navigate through some uh, unknown territories. The journey of faith continues today. Let's see it through to the end, and let's grow together in our faith. Now, let me ask you a question. Will you help me? On this journey, walk this journey of faith. Will you help me? Will you let me help you? Will you let me help you? Will you let me help you? And together, will we help one another 
on this journey of faith. I think that will really please God. That would really please the heart of God. And it would bring us all together as God's people. Let's pray. Father, continue to speak to us. Continue, dear Lord, to grace. Show us your grace and your mercies. And as we have been shown your love and grace and mercy, may we also extend it to others. May we help one another to walk this journey of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.